10, 38 through 42. As we just read a few minutes ago, small context there of Mary and Martha. But much to learn from these few verses. We want to take a look at both Mary and Martha. But let's first look at Martha. This woman who in some, in some ways she can feel her pain, feel her cry, as she is so busy trying to serve Jesus that she thinks her own sister is neglecting her. In Matthew 8 verses 14 and 15, this is when Jesus comes into Peter's house. He says this, when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and ministered unto them. Ministered, served, even waited upon them. So when we read these contexts of Martha and Mary, and we look about what Jesus says about much serving, we also see that Jesus was certainly not against serving. Here, after being healed, Peter's mother-in-law, she rises. She rises from whatever illness she has, and she serves them. She waits upon them. Jesus, Peter, her son-in-law, and the rest of the disciples, and waits on them with no rebuke, no chastisement. Jesus didn't turn around to her and say, mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, whatever her name was, you, you're caught up with too much serving. He didn't say that to her this time. It was a common thing in the day for travelling strangers to be received into private houses, being catered for by them. Jesus with the twelve was sitting at his feet, as was the practice of the time, and he did what he often did. He taught them. That's what happened. That's what he was there for. Is it not a good thing then, we might ask, to be serving our Lord? Of course. I think anybody that would say differently. I, in fact, I don't think anybody here would say differently. It is a great thing to serve our Lord. Paul the Apostle tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Part of our salvation, part of him bringing us into the kingdom, is to also walk in those good works which he has prepared beforehand for us to do. There are things for us to do. There are ways in which we are called to serve. Martha had received the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, into her house. What an honour that would be. That he whom all Israel had long awaited should take rest and provision in her home. This was more than an earthly king who himself would receive honour and royal treatment. Imagine the queen 
who walks into our own house, maybe. What honour she would receive. This is not just some queen or king of a country. As much honour as they rightly do deserve. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came to Martha's house. And he didn't come alone. He came with the twelve chosen apostles. So, in her defence, there's much to prepare. In John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says that Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at table with him. So here again we see Martha is serving. Now a true follower of Christ, friends, can be nothing other than a servant. A true follower of Christ can be nothing other than a servant. Jesus himself came to serve, not to be served. And he told his disciples when they were fighting each other for honour, who was going to be the greatest among them? I mean, you read that, you think, what on earth? Jesus is there with them after all they've learned, after everything he taught them, after all of his actions, of his laying down, or not even promoting himself. There they are, discussing arguing, battling amongst themselves about who was going to be the greatest. And what did Jesus say? He said that the greatest among you will be your servant. So Martha and her desire to serve the Lord was commendable. Was it wrong? Was it sin? It was commendable. But, as it says in verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. How often in our desire to serve the Lord do we get weary? The task at hand becomes too huge. All of our efforts are thrown into it and sometimes we might begin to get frustrated and even anxious with the magnitude of the task and possibly also our ability or maybe our inability to complete it sufficiently so that the Lord will be pleased. How often do we get weary of such things? So Martha was perhaps here a little bit overwhelmed. As we've already said, this is, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who she knew and she loved. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who came down from heaven. 
Perhaps, just perhaps, she was overwhelmed just a little in preparing supper for such a number of people, for such a member. Not only the number, but perhaps even the pressure to present something worthy of such an honoured guest. To top it all off, her sister appeared to have just left her. And what was she doing? She was sat down. She sat down with the rest of the disciples. Sat at Jesus' feet listening to him talk. So Martha was cumbered about much serving. She became distracted with all the cares, all the responsibilities, preoccupied with the business in hand. That's where Martha was. So busy. Busy, busy, busy. But what about Mary? In Luke 10, 39, where we just read, it said she had a sister. Martha had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She sat with the rest of the men while Martha was clanging around and making and kneading and cooking and preparing. Here's a sister just sat there. So with Mary, we have this completely different picture. Think of the, of the woman with the issue of blood who forced her way through the crowd in order to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. You realise that that was against the law? She was unclean. Shouldn't be touching anybody. Let alone fighting through a crowd of men. So she, she would be making all of those people who she was fighting and pushing and battling and pulling to get through. All of those people that she touched, according to the law, she would be making those people ceremonially unclean. Jesus was different. She knew it. She knew that it was now or, or perhaps never. So Jesus, when he sat teaching his disciples, they were all men. Mary perhaps did something out of the ordinary. She sat with them. Why? Because she wanted to be near him. She wanted to be in his presence. She longed to be there. It was the ache of her soul. To sit with the Lord and to just gaze upon his beauty and to hear his word. <clears throat> what a wonderful thought it is. That even in the midst of what might have been culturally wrong, she was saying this, I don't care. I'm going to sit at the feet of my Lord and my Saviour. I'm going to listen to the words, the sweet, life-giving words of my Saviour. Psalm 140 verse 13 says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in my presence. 
the upright shall dwell in my presence. Colossians 3, 16, a verse of scripture that is very familiar. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Mary was singing with grace in her heart to the Lord. And she wanted and desired and anchored after the word of Christ to dwell in her richly over and above anything else. Matthew 13, parable of the sower, says that he that receives seed in the ground, in the good ground, is he that heareth the word. And that's what she's doing. She's sitting at his feet, hearing the word of a saviour. And it says that those who hear the word, that good ground, and those that understand it, bear fruit. And bring forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. All of them bear fruit. This is what Mary wanted. This is where her heart lay. This was her desire. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God James 4 verse 8 draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts ye double minded draw near to God isn't that what she was doing? Yeah. And he did not rebuke her. Just like he didn't rebuke the woman that fought through the crowd. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ walking through and you're thinking he may never walk this path again. I've spent all my money on physicians for 18 years. 12 years, 18 years, one of the two. She was bleeding. Heavily, unclean, cast out on the side by everybody else. She forced her way through that she might what? Not grab a hold of his hands, not hug him, not. But to grab her, even just the hem of his garment. Now there sits Mary, right down where the hem of his garment was. I think it's a great picture. It's a sweet picture that Mary loved to place herself at the feet of Jesus. That's what she wanted. In John 11 verse 32, it says that Mary was come where Jesus was. And she saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And that's obviously where Lazarus has died. And Jesus actually hears about it and purposely stays away. Very interesting piece of scripture. He says he, when he heard that Lazarus was ill and dying, he stayed in the place where he was two or three more days. You'd think really he'd be rushing there. 
And they stayed away. They stayed away for purpose. Nevertheless, that's a different message. But this is, this is what she does. Even when her brother's dead, even when she's in grief, in agony, Saul, he comes to her. And to some degree, you might think that he came late. She just falls down at his feet. The next chapter along, John chapter 12. Verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odour of ointment. Once again, down at the feet of Jesus, breaks out the costly ointment, just cleans his feet with her hair. So gracious, so thankful. Did Jesus rebuke Mary for, for laziness? For not helping Martha get supper ready? No. The very opposite. He commended her and he lovingly chided Martha. But Martha was cumbered, it says, about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus answered her and said, Martha, oh Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. When we read such things as this, I don't think that we can really get away from looking at ourselves. Thinking about my life, the way I live, the way I might be. What kind of person am I in this respect? In John 11, verse 5, we're clearly told that Jesus loved Martha. That Jesus loved Mary. And that Jesus loved Lazarus. They were his friends. He loved them. Both Martha and Mary loved Jesus. He loved them. They were believers. Believers can get bogged down. Don't we know it? Believers can get bogged down. We're not immune. We can get distracted. We can get preoccupied. Maybe we can get cumbered with so many things in life. Worries and cares of our workplace. Maybe it could be financial issues. Especially in the days we live where inflation rockets and all the prices go up but our wages stay the same. And we look that in April our, our heating bills are probably going to double and we think, how on earth are we going to pay for these? Maybe it's things like that that we get bogged down with in our mind, worry, concern and wonder. What are we going to do? Maybe it's getting 
frustrated or raising our children. Maybe they're at an age where they're making decisions for themselves now, decisions that you wouldn't make, and yet they don't take your advice anymore because they're an adult now. Maybe it's things like that. Maybe it's the frustrations or the hardships that can come with married life. Maybe it's extended family or friends. You could name it. Many things. But it's different here because Martha was serving Jesus and his people. We can be serving God. We can be active in ministry. We can be doing outwardly all the right things. Running around in organisations. We can be planning and doing and doing and doing. Being busy. But we have to ask this question. Which one was it that heard the words of Jesus? Was it the one who was doing and doing and doing and busy, organisations, that place wants help, these people want help, this is happening, this ministry, that charity? Who was it that heard the word of Jesus? Was it the one who was busy? Was it Martha? Or was it Mary who sat at his feet? The truth is, friends, we can be even so wrapped up in doing something for Jesus. We can be wrapped up in doing something for him. Just like Martha was. It was for Jesus. She was serving him and his disciples. She was getting everything she could ready so that they could sit down at rest and have a meal. But what about simply being with him? <laughs> what about that? That, I believe, is what Mary was doing. She was just simply being with her Saviour. Now we must have works that accompany faith. Our lives are about doing as well as believing. <coughs> again, there are, there are issues that rise up in church that need great care and attention. But we have to ask the question, what happens <coughs> when our doing takes over? When we are so busy, so preoccupied with the life of the ministry, with the life of the church, <coughs> that we become encumbered by it. As I've said numerous times already from this pulpit, John 17 verse 3, Jesus said, <coughs> this is eternal life. Not that we get busy, not that we get doing, not that we become a great minister, not that we get a, a, a YouTube channel. Not that we get a, a great name for ourselves. Not that even 
that we're found to be those people who, who know the doctrines and the truths of Scripture, as important as that is. But that's not eternal life. Eternal life is that we know God and Jesus Christ, who we have sent. So eternal life is about knowing Him. And the scripture says, doesn't it, one thing, one thing is needful. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part. It shall not be taken away from her. There is one requirement. One thing is necessary and Mary chose it. She recognised her need of Christ and his word. What did Peter say in John 6, verse 68, when many of Jesus' so-called disciples left him? And he asked, him, he asked them, didn't he, are you going to go also? Are you going to leave? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Can't find them anywhere else. Where on earth, friends, are we going to go other than to Jesus? What hope have we got without Him? Her desire was to know Him, her desire was to be in His presence, to drink in everything that He said. To gaze upon his face. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. For the things of the world, the things of the earth, will grow strangely dim. To have a heart stirred within her. To be lost in wonder. To taste heaven on earth. See, this was her priority. And as Jesus said, this would not be taken from her. Would that we had this desire. Would that we would be those to press into his presence. Would that we would hang off every word of his. What a paradox that it can be. That we can get so busy doing things for God that actually we can neglect our very relationship with Him. 1 John 1 verse 3 That which we have seen and heard we declare unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. So I ask the question of myself when I read this, when I read this, when I put it together, I think, which of these examples outlines my Christian life? Is it the life that Martha was living at this time? Or this example? Or is it the life of Mary? Am I, am I too busy in the ministry that God has given me? 
Am I too busied up and neglecting actually my time just with Jesus? Because I have so much to do. Or do I take that time? Even at the time when it was right to make a meal, it was probably dinner time. They wouldn't be making a meal if it weren't. But maybe, even when it's even when it's a time where maybe something should be done, maybe even then, we need to be a people who decide just for a while to sit with him and not get too busy. There's a song by a person called J. Lincoln Hall, called Sitting at the Feet of Jesus. I'm just going to read it to you. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, oh, what words I hear him say. Happy place, so near, so precious, may it find me there each day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, I would look upon the past, for his love has been so gracious. It has won my heart at last. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, where can mortal be more blessed? There I lay my sins and sorrows, and when weary, find sweet rest. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, there I love to weep and pray, while I from his fullness gather grace and comfort every day. Bless me, O my Saviour, bless me, as I sit low at thy feet. O look down in love upon me, let me see thy face so sweet. Give me, Lord, the mind of Jesus, keep me holy as he is. May I prove I've been with Jesus, who is all my righteousness. Charles Spurgeon said these words regarding this few verses about Martha and Mary. Just one sentence. <coughs> he said, A sitting silently at the feet of Jesus is of more worth than all the clatter of Martha's dishes. It's my hope for me, for you, that we would too be found to have chosen that good part. And my prayer for everyone, or as the prayers of the great Apostle Paul, Ephesians 1 verse 15 through 23. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, 
but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And again in Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21, he says these words, wonderful words that I pray for myself, for my family, and for you. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's what we want. That's the desire of Mary's heart. That she might know him. Paul said to him in Philippians, that I might know him. That I might know him. You know, that's the only thing. When we, when we stand before Christ, it's the only thing that matters. Do you know him? That's what this life is about. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you that you might forgive us. Forgive us of those times, Lord, where we think whether we thought it actually or whether it's just been an action and being, a, being busy, but Lord, those times where we're just busy, even in those things which we do as unto the Lord, the times Lord where we know I've just got to do this I've just got to ring that person I've just got to, to go and see this person or I have to I have to put this in order I'll read later I'll pray later and then we don't get to it it's not that those things are wrong or bad or evil for Martha in a service was not evil it was good but Lord, she was encumbered. She was distracted. Lord, help us not to get distracted. Help us not to get so distracted in the works that you've given us to do, in those good things that you have given us to do, that we neglect the very reason we're doing it. Lord, will you enable us to be like Mary, to choose that good part, that we might be those people who sit at your feet that we might take that time to gaze upon your beauty. To be lost in the wonder of who you are. That it might be about that we want to know you. 
not know about you, not getting busy knowing things and doing things and being involved in things that are to do with you. But Lord, help us to do those good things that you have before the world began put in place for us to do and yet without neglecting the relationship that we should have. So help us, Lord, we pray. For this is, this is a wonderful message. The fact that we may have been found to be doing that, but we know that the Lord Jesus Christ loved Martha. We know that she loved him. And Lord, we, we would profess that we love you and you love us. So Lord, this is a message unto hope, not condemnation, that we indeed, by your help, will be people who aren't distracted, but are found to be sat lovingly, longingly, and frequently at your feet, to hear the word, and to look upon the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Amen.